Hello listeners, welcome to Explore FI Canada, where we sit at the round table with Canadians and share their thoughts, ideas and personal journeys to financial independence. Thanks to Matt McKeever for sponsoring Explore FI Canada. Matt is a Canadian investor, CPA, entrepreneur and real estate expert who achieved fire at age 31. Do us a favor and check out his YouTube channel by searching Matt McKeever or using the link in our show notes. Welcome again, listeners. Money Mechanic with you. And of course, Chrissy's here sitting at the round table as well today. Hi, Money Mechanic. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you very much. And today's show, you know, you know what I was thinking just before we started recording this? I was thinking for you know, we're still kind of in, we're in January still. So this is still like lockdown for a lot of Canada, but we've been doing really well getting around Canada with our episodes so far this year, haven't we? We've had Vancouver Island, we've had Alberta, we've had Quebec, and today we're representing Manitoba. That's pretty good. We've been traveling. (laughs) It's true, we have. (laughs) And I think, you know, that's one of the nice parts that we try to, you know, focus on with this podcast is hearing stories from different people in different parts of Canada and what their FI journey looks like. Because as we know, it's different for everybody and we're all in different places and join at different times of our life. And, you know, uh, these stories help, you know, give actionable tips and and motivation that uh, anybody can get on this path. And this kind of community is super helpful. Everybody is not just us. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So along those lines, our guest today is going by the name of Kay, and she is from Manitoba. Welcome to the show, Kay. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, the reason we're talking to you is because you reached out to Explorify Canada almost a year ago and said that you had recently discovered Mr. Money Mustache. I think that was uh, in one of your first emails or your uh, feedback. We appreciate feedback to the show, of course. And you said you'd found Mr. Money Mustache and you'd heard some other incredible stories that so many people were sharing and that you were hopeful that there was still a chance for you to relieve your worries and live a simple and happy life. Now, you'd been super aggressive paying off your mortgage and you felt there was a whole new world of opportunity opening up. So here we are almost a year later, and I thought it'd be great to just go over some of the broad strokes of how your year, even though it was like, oh, 2020 was crazy for all of us. Let's, oh, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty cool what a difference a year makes. So let's just go back to the beginning there and just a little bit about yourself and finding the FI community and Mr. Money Mustache. For sure. It probably started actually a few years before that, maybe 2017, 2018, a friend of mine had told me about Tim Ferriss and his podcast. And she's like, yeah, you should check it out. He's really interesting. And so I was just listening to a few episodes and then came across the episode with Mr. Money Mustache. And it blew my mind. It blew my <laughs> mind. And at the time, I, was, I just thought, that's, that's impossible. It's impossible. Or impossible for me. Anyway, so I put it in the back of my mind and lived my life for the next few years. And then, you know, lo and behold, I come up on the beginning of last year and I'm about to pay off my mortgage, which happened sooner than I thought it would. And at that point, I kind of thought to myself, well, what now, what, what now? Because I'm not going to have this payment and I've been waiting for this moment for well, it was 14 years. So, <laughs> and now what? And so then I, 
yeah, I happened, I thought about that podcast again and I listened to it again and I went back to it and, and I thought, well, okay, maybe there's more to this. And the thing that was missing for me was Canadian content. Cause I kept on, I listened to, uh, to him, read his blog and then just started, you know, listening to other podcasts that were American based. And I thought, geez, this is so frustrating. I want to hear about <laughs> yeah. TFSAs and RSPs and <laughs> not a 401k and all that stuff. So then I started searching for Canadian and then I came across you guys. And uh, lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> and I, yeah, I sent out a simple email, you know, and I didn't, I, I didn't know what I would hear back, if anything. And uh, yeah, you were so tentative in your message to us. I'm like, of course we, <laughs> we want to well, yeah. help. <laughs> I don't know why it seems so unreachable that, that you know if you if you email that people won't won't respond you know but everyone here has been so gracious and uh been a it's been a year of change that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah well I think that's a big part of most of our journeys is when we come across this community we feel like I'm not alone anymore you know and when you start talking that's when you really learn and grow and your journey takes off because the journey becomes real because you've got these real people who are going through it with you. And it's amazing what you can learn from each other. And I think the thing for me that's been so refreshing and reassuring is that this whole thing is not about, for me, it's not about being rich. It's, it was always, mm-hmm. it always stemmed from a fear of actually being homeless <laughs> to tell you the <laughs> truth when I was young, because my, my path is in the arts. So I've got a background in dance. I trained at Ryerson out in, Toronto years and years and years ago. I'm 44. So, um, and I've been working in the arts, which is not the most stable career choice, as no. we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a really interesting ride. And I think I've managed to do well, considering that it is a lot of contract work. And it's it's been an interesting path in that regard. So it's it hasn't been a, about being rich, but it has been about not worrying. I've never wanted to worry in my old age. I want to make sure that I'm going to be okay. And so I do find that in this community, it is about the values seem to be more simple and in line with maybe more minimalist living Mm -hmm. and environmentally conscious. And, and that's what struck me. The value system seemed to be more in line with what I was already living. Yeah, you're right. For me, I think that was similar in that it all just makes sense. It aligned with my value system and it encourages to look, you to look at your own values. And that's why I think it's such a powerful motivator when you find fire that it's not about this one goal that everyone says you should reach, but it's about what the freedom will buy for you. You know, is is it more time with your hobbies, with your family, whatever it may be, it aligns with your values. And that's why it's such a powerful motivator. Yeah, I think one of the things is you become, I don't know if I want to use the word critical, but at the beginning, you kind of get a little bit of focus on what you, where you've been spending your money, mm-hmm. and then you can decide what's meaningful and adds value. And I think we naturally on this path become better global citizens because we cut out a lot of waste that existed previously, right? And you can move move forward with that mindfulness. Now, at the beginning of the journey, at the beginning of last year, were you a DIY investor? No. So you had high fee bank mutual funds? Completely. And I've been <laughs> <laughs> with 
RBC for the longest time. I did start contributing when I was young. When I was 18, I was thinking about this stuff, but in the sense of, oh, well, I have to contribute every month and I'm going to contribute my $25 a month. And, oh, yeah, I can't wait. (laughs) Into an RSP (laughs) that was all Canadian equity, right? Mm -hmm. Because I love Canada. That makes total sense. Of course. I'm doing the right thing. (laughs) And, uh, And then... I started getting, I started looking into the fees and the fee structure and actually re- reading the fine print. And I just started doing a little bit of the math behind that. I was like, the, wait, wait a second. When I actually, you know, put the numbers together, I started feeling a little bit sick to my stomach. And then especially once I started listening to these podcasts when that was also helping to educate me as to the impact of this little percentage, this one or 2% and in, in the impact. I had no idea about the compound interest and how much it would affect it. So that was, the, that was the start. That was the start of it was waking up to that. Once you found out the impact and like quite, like you said, <laughs> you know, actually did some numbers and, for the listeners out there, don't get super concerned or afraid of the math. It's it's pretty straightforward to do some easy calculations on your existing portfolios. And we're not here to tell you what to do or where to move your money or anything like that. I think it's just highlighting that uh, know where you stand with your investments. And so, Kay, you, you had these high fee funds. You did move towards DIY. So I just want to ask a few questions about that. Did you, mm-hmm. did you have to break up with an advisor? That's always some pe- something people are uncomfortable with if they've been banking or talking to somebody for a while. They kind of have to like, it's almost like a little bit of a breakup, right? To move your money. And it's difficult to move your money out of the bank. And you had to make choices of where to move your money and, and what to do with it. So let's just unpack some of that. Yeah. So how was the transition out of the bank? It was fairly straightforward. I had worked with a woman for many years who retired and I had a nice relationship with her. And then there was her replacement and this particular advisor, nice guy, super nice guy, but he felt like a salesman to me. He really had the shtick and and in my gut, I knew I didn't like this guy. (laughs) I, I, I just... I didn't like it. Of course, he recommended a, f- a fee, uh, um, a fund that had a fee of something like two point five percent, right? And at the time, I was like, "Oh, great! It's a global. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Okay, great." And then, you know, of course, in the end, when I when I took a look at it, I wasn't surprised. So it was really interesting when um, when I told him that I was planning on switching uh, <laughs> out, and his his demeanor changed somewhat. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, you know. I kind of felt bad, but not really because I'm taking, I'm taking control finally. So the actual it's process, your money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The actual process was pretty straightforward, very easy. And uh, now I'm with Quest Trade, and so that whole switch over was, oh yeah, it it was very very easy. So okay, you're saying it was easy to move over to Quest Trade, but I think psychologically it's not so easy. It's it's actually quite scary to make that leap from. It just sending your money to the bank and they invest it to taking it on yourself at Questrade because at Questrade you have to do it all. So can you talk a bit about that? How did you get over that hump or was it not scary for you? Did you just make the leap and it was no problem? 
you know, yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't say that it was stress-free because <laughs> I'm talking in the present. So I have to go back to that time, which feels very far away now. So much has happened since then um, because it was really was a large chunk of my life savings that I was moving mm-hmm. o- over. I knew that it was going to be a smart move though. I already knew that coming out of it. I felt the relief of coming out of a, of a high fee fund, but um, I did a little bit of research and did a little bit of playing around and it didn't take long to get the hang of it, honestly, but yeah, but yeah, at the time, and here's a really interesting thing. So my funds are transferred out of Royal Bank and then the stock market crashes and then my money goes to Quest Trade. So I don't know if you guys remember how you felt when the pandemic hit. This is pandemic hitting. This is fresh. We have no idea what's going on. We have no idea how bad this is. But, you know, if you're listening to the news, anything like Uh that, it's so volatile and the predictions are so dire. And at the time, (laughs) I was really nervous to put it back into anything else for fear. It was probably fear and greed, a little bit of both. Because at the time I was assuming there was going to be another drop. So already Mm -hmm. there was a bit of that greed kicking in of, okay, well, it's probably going to go down again. So I'm going to wait. Or should I wait? Should I put all of this in now (laughs) or wait? And uh, I remember I ended up doing a bit of a dollar cost average. I just kind of over maybe a few months put it back in. So big chunks, but but not a lump sum. In hindsight. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, but at the time it was probably prudent. I mean, I don't know. Psychologically, it probably was. Yeah. And now I don't even think about it anymore. And I think, oh, of course I should have lump summed. But at the time that was a very real fear or a very real thought that made it difficult. Well, that was a trial by fire. And lesson (laughs) learned. You really had to dive right in. (laughs) Completely. Completely. Just focusing on that point for a second, because this is a question that comes up a lot in the community is the the lump sum versus dollar cost averaging. And we all know that the math says the lump sum works like, Mm -hmm. what is it the saying? 60% of the time it works every time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's supposed to work, but none of us probably, well, I shouldn't say none of us, but most of us don't have the fortitude to just go lump sum in, you know? And But knowing what you know now, even though it's only been a year of education to your own DIY investing, faced with that, I mean, hopefully we're never faced with like a market crash because of a pandemic, but in the future, there will be other market ups and downs. Faced with that again in a similar situation, do you think it's your psychology that's improved and, or is it like your confidence because of what you've learned about the markets and DIY investing that would change your decision if it happened again? I I hope it's a little bit of experience and a little bit of education, both of those going through it. There's nothing like going through it to teach you Mm -hmm. in life and everything. And then, and then also doing the reading. I think um, I'd read the four pillars of investing and it, it laid out crashes and in this topic exactly. And again, the math says, and you can read that and read that all you want, but until you're faced with it, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna do what you're gonna do and you're gonna do your best and that's all you you can do at the end of the day so i hope that now 
my best was maybe a little bit better than a year ago. And that's great. For sure. So you got into Questrade. Now, I just want to um, wheel back a little bit again, because you chose Questrade. But what about any of the robo-advisors in Canada? Did you look at those? Because that seems to be a popular choice for people that are making the first transition to DIY. Uh, you know, I see a lot of people go from the typical bank funds to a robo, to, you know, and as they build confidence, they gradually move over to full DIY at Questrade. Did you consider that? What sort of helped you with the final decision? I looked at it for a little a little while, but I knew I wanted to to dig in there myself. And if I if that means that I'm going to be making the mistakes, I I wanted to take the chance because I just feel like when I'm truly doing it myself, that is when I learn the most and learning from your mistakes. Or maybe maybe it's the the pressure to educate yourself a little bit more when you actually have to do it all yourself versus a, a robo-advisor. I think maybe it had to do with the fact that I was so fed up with anyone else controlling <laughs> where my money was going. That was probably part of it. I think I was a little bit angry. So, so it, was, it was like cold turkey. Yeah. <laughs> you were just I think done. So. Yeah. 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 Forced to learn it. I think so. Yeah. Because it, it, it really, I did feel like my trust was betrayed a little mm-hmm. bit after my experience with the bank. So you, you made the move, you got yourself your money over to quest trade, you dollar cost averaged a little bit in, did you pick individual ETFs? Did you go with all in one funds? Did you pick stocks? Did you have a plan? I knew that my plan, I, I needed to diversify more because I was very much mostly Canadian equities. So I knew that I had to diversify that a lot more. And so I did learn about Vanguard's um, VEQT and Bigro and and I wasn't afraid of, I'm not afraid of having an all equity fund. So I knew that that was something that I was interested in because I, I, I know that I'm not going to be retiring in two or three <laughs> years. It's going to be some time still. So I'm okay to, to have an all equity fund. So I knew that that's where I wanted to go. And and yeah, I did some research and, and Vanguard seemed, seemed like the one. It was easy in the sense that it has everything that I was looking for in one fund. So I do like that aspect because I wasn't interested in having 20 different funds that I was going to manage myself. I've, I'm lazy. <laughs> so <laughs> when it comes to that, I really like that it was all in one and that made sense to me. So yeah, I was getting close to that and maybe not 20, but I had quite a few ETFs when I was at the peak of my DIYing and it's it becomes a lot to manage because it's scattered across my husband's and my accounts and the kids accounts and it just it becomes really unwieldy the more that you add even though you just can't help it sometimes you just want to optimize it that little bit more yeah and for me I'm not I'm not someone who's I'm not checking I did my first check to see my balances this at the end of this year so I, I let it go for the whole year and then I rebalance I'm going to rebalance starting now. I'm not checking it every month. Like I say, I'm lazy. I am. This is the first year I I have ever kept track of every single penny that I spent. I don't do that. I've always paid myself first, but this was the first year where I kept track of everything. And it's, it felt, it's very exhausting when you're not used to it. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's just that little extra bit of energy. So, mm-hmm. you know, I to get used to it. So I like my um, balancing every year as opposed to every week or month. That's awesome that you tracked everything. I'm super impressed. I, 
I was just laughing to myself when Chrissy said she used to have funds and I thought, you know, hopefully listeners do as I say, not as I do, because I'm so guilty. I am so guilty of having different funds. <laughs> I, I can admit my failures. Um, did you use Did you use a specific tool for tracking your spending? Did you spreadsheet it? Did you, have you come across anything else, you know, sort of, there's lots of fintech out there to make life easier for tracking and all that kind of stuff now. Did you find anything or you just do it old fashioned way or? Did old-fashioned way. I started with Mint, and I found that there's always certain pieces missing because I have, I have some investments through um, my work, benefit society, and stuff like that. So I just found that it it would never actually funnel everything in there. So I I just like to again do it myself. So I know where everything is. It's laid out the way I want it to. So yeah, I just create my own spreadsheets. Nice. Whoa, spreadsheet guru. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I feel that. And maybe we should be doing this, Chrissy. Maybe we should have an Explorify Canada spreadsheet course. Spreadsheeting is not <laughs> hard. It's no. not hard, but it mm -hmm. is intimidating. And I am nowhere near being a good spreadsheeter. But I can do some basic, I can kind of set up a little mm -hmm. basic one. But there's lots of templates out there. And it feels like at the beginning of your FI journey, you should learn to be able to make some basic ones. Just because it's, it gives you another tool in your toolbox of how to track your spending, mm -hmm. track your accounts, track your investments, and do things like that. So I, yeah. I think that's actually an important part of the beginning part of this journey is dive into, I'm sure there's a ton of YouTube videos, find some way of just getting the basics of spreadsheeting down. You don't have to become like a spreadsheet guru, like talk and is my goodness, his dividend spreadsheets out of this <laughs> world, what he built with it. But you know, uh, basics of spreadsheeting, I think are super important on the journey to FI. And it's interesting that Kay, that's what she's using. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said for manually entering your own info, whether it's once a month or once a year. It just, I don't know, you, your brain seems to absorb it in a different way when you actually take the time to look at each number and manually enter it yourself. Yes, I definitely became more aware of where money was going. And mm -hmm. alcohol was a surprising category. <laughs> yeah. I surprised I don't, myself. I don't drink in my house, but my husband does. And I'm like... I added up separately. I'm like, look at this. <laughs> that's a that's an all inclusive trip somewhere right there. That's <laughs> it can be yes. <laughs> Speaking of travel, was that a big impact on your budget in 2020 or your spending? Oh, there obviously there was none of it, and I love it. I love traveling, so <laughs> <Yeah>. that was. <laughs> I, I kind of worry about that too. I'm thinking, what would it have been if I had traveled? So I'm going to have to think about that. How I'm going to approach it in the future, but. That is a that is a goal for the future is to be able to travel, and I do like to be able to travel very simply. I've traveled um, Southeast Asia, and it is so cheap to spend time over there and spending time in nature. So I'm I'm really really looking forward to making that a part of my life. Um, but again, because I I've never really budgeting is kind of new for me. You know I'm. As long as I have that money saved, I wasn't really keeping track of where every single penny was going. So I'm hoping that I can just keep those keep those trips simple. Yeah, keep enjoying nature and and make that a regular part of my life. So maybe it means a bit less wine in the future. <laughs> to do no, some trade offs. No, 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 no. Anything no. but the wine. Don't cut out the wine. There's always so, cardboard O. <laughs> They actually are really good, some of them. <laughs> true, they are true. Yeah. yeah. So you uh, have gone quite far with 
your accumulation. You've changed things a lot with your investments. Have you gone as far as to work out your FI number? And do you know where you are in your progress to FI? Well, I calculated that number and I'm farther from it than I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. I guess on, on paper, I'm probably a third of the way there, but I'm not including my house in that, in that piece, which I think is smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also didn't really know much about Coast FI until talking with Money Mechanic a little bit. And I know he's... There's <laughs> <laughs> a big thumbs up on the screen here. There's a thumbs up the listeners can't see. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I uh, headed over to the Pioneers after they were on the show just to check out their calculator. And I was pretty surprised when I typed in some numbers. Mm-hmm. That, that I'm a lot closer to that. And that's becoming a little bit more exciting to me because I actually love what I do. I really love what I do. The thing is with what I do, I have a risky job. So it requires me to be fit and it's very limited by my age. So I don't think I will be able to do my job when I'm 65. I know exactly what you mean. I'm in the same place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, So it's a bit of necessity and but then allowing me to have the choice to, um, so I work in in the film industry, but I also work as a photographer and I work in the fitness industry. And so the photography I love, so maybe it's just a matter of getting to pick and choose the contracts that you do versus it having, having to be everything and having to work so hard to save up and then just stop and I love to work. I'm, I'm a little bit of a workaholic, so <laughs> that will be a transition <laughs> for me. I think you, you nailed a super important point there. I don't want to miss that for the listeners is that you've generated multiple streams of income, mm-hmm. you know, and you're using them all on sort of a contract or on a basis where you have a little bit more time optionality of how much work you put into your photography or how much work you put into the fitness, things like that. I think that becomes super important the closer you get to financial independence because you want to have those choices to be able to keep doing what you love doing, but more with, you know, the power of your choice of when to do it. Yeah. And I can't stress enough. I know there's all this talk of, of side hustle and not everything has to be to make money, but I do (laughs) strongly believe in uh, just learning, just skill building, just Doing things that you love, like for example, the whole fitness industry thing, I went to this gym that had these w- wonderful classes, did some kind of boot camp, um, you know, challenges. And then because of my background is so particular, like it's, it, there's a, I have taught before and being physically fit is a part of my life. It's a part of my work. So they asked me if I wanted to work for them. So this thing that was, something that's just been a part of my life ended up now, not only am I going to the gym for free and this is not a cheap gym, mm-hmm. I'm teaching and I'm making money. So it's, it's a win, win, win all around. It's fantastic. Awesome. And there's, there's other skills I've had to, to learn for work. And I'm just thinking of an example of let's say scuba diving for me, that was a skill that I actually had to, to learn for my job. And I'm now close to being able to instruct if I want to, if I want to take that Mm -hmm. route. And I love it. It's opened up this whole interesting world. And it's not the the cheapest thing, but it's something that I love to do. And it could be something that could end up making me money down the road. 
So yeah, just never underestimate the power of learning a skill. You just have no idea where that might take you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to me, it sounds like you've already gained a lot of freedom in your life just by being able to take a bigger look at everything that you enjoy and your money and piecing it all together and seeing where you're able to find freedom, even though you're not at FI yet. Completely. And that's the unexpected thing about this past year was that, you know, at the beginning of the year, yes, I was so pumped to not have a mortgage payment and, you know, the thought of the freedom and everything. And then a pandemic hit. And then, so it was oddly preparing me for this unexpected year. And, you know, I almost feel guilty, but because I've watched, there's been a lot of my, you know, a lot of friends and a lot of people that I know that are, that are suffering, really, really suffering. And, and even with my work, my work is very uncertain as well. And as I'm speaking to you, we're in lockdown, and I'm not working, and I am not as worried. I am not as worried. And the feeling, I cannot express to you the feeling of, of just not having to worry. And I know I'm not completely free, but I do not feel as locked down. I do not feel as stressed out. And you think about what that will do to your body over time. I, I just think it's just a healthier way to live. It's such a small change. I, I can already feel it. And I feel it day to day in the peace that I feel. That's amazing. That's yeah. so amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't stress enough that the journey to FI, you start seeing the benefits on day one. It's the simple little changes that grow in aggregate over time and the confidence that you build and the education and the community, the like-minded people that you get to talk to, you get to bounce ideas off, share information, send emails, talk online, communicate with people that have gone through it or going through it or, or, or kind of help guide you. You know, that's a big part of this. Definitely. And I reached out, there was a lady on, on Facebook that I, I reached out to because now the next question for me is real estate. Cause now that I'm, now that I have this investment that is not doing anything for me anymore, I'm now, those wheels are turning. And so I reached out to a woman here in Winnipeg who uh, is a part of a Canadian landladies page. And she was just so gracious with me to speak with me um, about how that part of her journey has been and and she's got a lot of doors and and it's been doing really great for her and and I mean so far if I look at my investment of my house it has hands down been the best investment that I've made so far so I'm excited and nervous um, and intrigued to see how I approach this because do I stay in this house and buy another rental property? Do I buy another property to move into, rent this house out? I just received my Smith Maneuver book in the mail. So <laughs> I'm thinking about new opportunities. Now, I want to unpack this just a little bit because I love this transition. And I think it's an important discussion because, and I'm no exception. I, at the beginning, I was like aggressively going after paying down my mortgage. Now, there's lots of people in the camp that are pro paid up, pay off the mortgage, be debt free, right? But in your particular situation, you're not quite, you're a third of your way to your FI number, but you have a paid off house, which opens up a lot of options. So it is a psychological thing to pay off your mortgage or not. And a lot of times it's a math thing, like we're super low interest rate environment. 
if you could go back and do it again, would you do the same thing? And before you answer that, if you could go back and do it again, and well, you know about the Smith Maneuver now, we, we can't do too much back then, yeah. but knowing <laughs> what you know about DIY investing, would you have paid off your mortgage the same way you did or would you have invested more? That's my first question. That's part one of two. I've got more. I think it depends on if I'm going back in time as the person I am yeah. now or as the person <laughs> exactly, I was. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> because the person I was when I bought this house, that was so terrifying mm-hmm. to me at the yeah. time. There's no way back in that time that I would have even, if you had told me about Smith Maneuver when I first bought this house, I would have said, that's great. There's no <laughs> yeah. way. Mm-hmm. It would have made me so uncomfortable. Yep. Yeah. It seemed like a massive amount of debt at totally, the time. Yeah. And I remember listening to Chrissy, you talk about Smith Maneuver as I had, you know, just put my last mortgage payment on the house. And I was like, no, no, why am I learning about this now? It was really funny. So obviously now the person I am, if, if I went back and talked to myself, of course I would have told her, do this. Oh my gosh, please do this. Mm-hmm. Cause listening to that episode where, yeah, oh, I wouldn't want to know. I wouldn't want to know. Now, so part, part B of that question was lots of us have chosen to be aggressive to pay down the mortgage. And one of the bonuses that you get from that aggressive pay down is a, you have the mind, like the, the freedom that you are debt free. You have a place to live. Nobody can take from that from you, which is awesome. But the other thing mm-hmm. is that you're interested in real estate now and that may not have happened if you still had a mortgage. And now that you've got that equity, you can create another income stream with it, right? You can add that to your passive income and it changes your FI number a lot if you're getting passive monthly income. So I think that's awesome that you've, you've paid off, but also recognize that you now have a tool to use as part of your FI journey. Did you kind of have that in mind all along? Were you paying off the mortgage aggressively to get to that? Or were you just kind of going, Hey, I've learned a lot about finance and personal finance and I've got a tool I can use. What did, what kind of spurred you on to making those, that decision? Um, I think in the, in the back of my mind, I knew I was interested because I knew that the reality of actually living in a house and the problems that go along with it were manageable for me. I didn't have any horrible disasters. And I also had a couple of friends that had, you know, a door, two doors. So I was able to talk with them about the realities of being a landlord and it seemed interesting to me. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that I wasn't thinking about it, but not seriously. But then, yeah, and especially, like I say, in, in terms of being a contractor, having, you know, just knowing that if, there's, if there are those months where maybe, maybe you're not working for a month or two, then that's very reassuring to have something coming in that's passive. So that to me now is even more attractive. For sure. Yeah. And then, and then you're building the equities building as well. Yeah. And I, so. I think the important thing too, that perhaps we overlook sometimes is that our journey changes over time too. As we, as we age, our priorities change, um, you know, work-life balance change, the things that we want to do, you know, it all evolves and all change. You know, it's a, it's a fluid process. There's no fixed way for anybody to do it. And I mean, right now I'm really enjoying the freedom and I'm not going to lie that it's, it's a really nice place to be. The simplicity of it is also very nice, but yeah, it's options. It's nice to have options. Well, and you're in, you mentioned that you're in uh, Manitoba. So you've got some options yeah. there with more affordable real estate. 
Um, for Chrissy and I, we're in, Com- yeah, relatively to. speaking, of course. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've actually looked into real estate in, in Manitoba as well. I just, I haven't pulled the trigger there because from my point of view in Victoria, it, it looks a lot cheaper and, and you've had good growth there. It's a pretty strong economy in, in there as well, right? Yeah. The market's definitely boomed mm-hmm. this year, yeah. but I think it's still in relation to the rest of the country. I, I feel like it's a pretty stable investment. Hey, Money Mechanic, you use Passive, right? How do you like it? It's great. It's like my own personalized robo-advisor. I set it up one time, then Passive helps keep my portfolio balanced by securely connecting to Questrade. Wow, sounds like Passive saves you a lot of time. Yeah, no more spreadsheets. And Passive even has one-click purchasing, which makes life so much easier. That sounds amazing. I also heard that Passive added a new goal feature to help DIY investors reach their investment targets. That's right. The goal feature is built right in and helps you stay on track with your investments. Chrissy, did you know that Passive is free for Questrade clients? Free is good, especially when it normally costs $99. How can our listeners get in on this offer? Just go to Passive.com forward slash Epic. That's Passive with no E dot com forward slash E-F-I-C. So I want to pivot a little bit into your other real estate options that you mentioned to us. Mm -hmm. And I also want to discuss a little bit of (laughs) how you used to have roommates. And I find that so interesting that, (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about that roommate situation? Because I think this is something more people could do. And I think it's awesome that you actually did it. (laughs) This was very, very spontaneous. Um, (laughs) So I had been... In my house, I, I bought my house with a partner, and at the time in that relationship um, ended. And so I'd been on my own for a couple of years. And a friend of mine was her and her hus- husband to be were looking for a place to rent, and they were having a bit of a problem. And uh, and at the time, I was like, "Well, I've got all these. I've got two rooms. I'm not. I'm not using these rooms. And uh, sometimes it's a bit lonely. And ah, uh, why not? It was. It was literally." <laughs> simple as that and uh and then three years later <laughs> wow yeah they were they're with me still in, still in the house and uh it, it was supposed to be it was a temporary thing it, it ended up being mm-hmm. a year longer than we anticipated but yeah I had a married couple living in my house <laughs> with me uh, which is very interesting <laughs> I don't I'm not sure that I that I could do it again but uh, they have since become like family to me, and they they mm-hmm. bought a place that's a block away from me. So it's a it's a wonderful relationship, and I'm I'm so thankful for it now. But you know, at the time, yeah, it it, it reminds me a lot of us hosting students. You know, because yes. she was your friend, and you know, when we host students, we treat them like family. They're like yeah. university age children, and so it's a different kind of relationship that you have compared to having regular tenants where they're just in the suite downstairs. Maybe oh, yeah. it's it, it is you a lot of cooperation and <laughs> needing to compromise, but it, in return, you also get a very rich relationship that's different than anything else. Yes. We know each other inside and out. And, <laughs> you do. Yeah. You know, we're, we're there for each other. And yeah, you really get to know someone. And, um, and I was, the one thing I was very, very smart about was we, we just split everything. We split everything down the middle or well, three ways. And uh, so that reduced my costs significantly and I did not waste it. I doubled down every mortgage payment and I just put every, every last cent I could towards paying down 
anything. So even <laughs> before you discovered fire, you were already doing a lot I of the right things. Doing it. Yeah. 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 I think the one, the lesson that I've always yeah, learned was, you know, pay yourself first. And at the end of the day, that is, I think what I will take home. If you're, if you're just starting out, cause I do feel like a bit of a Bambi right now. I feel like mm, I got my little wobbly <laughs> legs and I'm learning about this new path right now. <laughs> so for anybody out there, if you're listening and this is absolutely brand new, you know, if there's one place to start, it's just, yeah, that simple concept of, of pay yourself first and whether you're, you're so deep in debt, just, just make that little payment and every month just do that first without thinking. And even when it's hard, because there were times where I really did not want to put some of that money towards debt or, you know, it's boring. (laughs) when there's so many distractions out there and and the world is just begging for your money all over the place you know and and it's a really boring choice but it's um it's just long-term thinking and and already now I'm here and that and they and that my decisions helped definitely help me pay that mortgage down faster and bring me to the place I am now yeah which is which is amazing and I love that here we are chatting a year later and you made all these positive changes mm-hmm. through a, a traumatic year for all of us to be, to be sure. I'm super impressed and congratulations on where you got to and where you're at in the journey. And I think that's one of the fun things about this community is we all kind of get to know each other a little bit better and, and, and share our thoughts and, and plans. And yeah, it's awesome to succeed together. Yeah. And once you simplify and once that, once that debt is gone and, and once you're streamlining, your expenses. I mean, the shift this past year, even those two things. And I had a, I had a decent year of income as well. But aside from that, I think even with just having no debt and looking at the ways that I was hemorrhaging money and not even knowing it. Uh, and I'm talking things like I was shopping at Safeway. <laughs> I had a landline. I had an alarm system because I had a fear of being broken into all this stuff that, you know, and in 14 years, you know, there was, there was not even a hint of a break in. So I decided to, you know what, let's look at these fears. And so just got rid of all of that extraneous stuff and, you know, switched, switched my cell phone provider and paying like half, less than half of what I was paying, stuff Mm -hmm. like that every month. Holy moly, does that add up? We were talking in a previous podcast with Diana Merriam from Economy Conference, and this is one point that we made that you are the type of person that the fire community is trying to reach. You know, the the middle income earners who who make a decent amount and have more than enough to live on, and yet we're kind of just going through life the way everyone else does. You know, we buy the coffee every day, we we do our yoga classes, whatever it may be, we buy a nicer car, we upgrade it every few years. That's just normal. But mm-hmm. when you really sit down and pay attention to it and you realize, is this really what I wanna spend my money on or do I want more freedom? It really helps you to focus in on what's important and realizing the waste and the money that you could be putting towards a, a better use, um, which is your freedom and and choice in what you do with your life. Yeah. Now, one question I have for you guys, because mm-hmm. I I feel like right now I'm experiencing this. A year later, I've been putting all this energy into making all these changes. Do you ever feel that you have frugality fatigue? Like, do you just feel like, oh my gosh, I just want to, I just want to get this treat or yeah, I just want to reward myself, you know? 
And then all of a sudden, you know, you've treated yourself a bit too much. And then, <laughs> you know, you my, my husband, my husband is just like that. I think yeah. he's naturally more of a spender. He's not a spender really, but he's more of a spender than I am. And he definitely goes through phases like that where he's like, I just want takeout pizza, Chrissy. Can I just yeah. get a pizza for takeout? <laughs> but for me, I just love being frugal. It's just... <laughs> It's right up my alley. So I just enjoy it. So what's, so. what is the reward for you? How do you, do you reward yourself? My reward is just watching the money grow. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It just, it I love this me picture up. of like Scrooge McDuck diving into the money there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, I mean, I, I also love the reward is the freedom. Yeah. You know, we, we can be at home. I can be at home with my kids and we get to travel when it's not COVID those kinds of things are what are important to me. And that knowing that I'm saving money from other things to be able to do those things, that's what is my reward. I think for me, I, I know, I know I can relate to what you mean. And we went through this a little bit this year with my wife, because we kind of had like a little agreement of when we were going to get takeout food. And uh, that, that is a bit of a reward because we generally don't eat out a lot anyway. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, well, you can have Poke Bowl once this month because we're having pizza as well. You know, so I mean, there's a little bit of it works that way. But one of the things for us, and I think it works for both of us here, is that we don't put any restrictions per se on spending so we can maintain frugality but if there's something that you really want that's gonna you know improve your you know whether it's you you like to read on a, a kubu or, or whatever it is is that what they call kubu something like that um kobo, kobo. thank you <laughs> i use my little ipad that i've had for 10 years um you know if we have this agreement here that if there's something that's you that you you know because i think what we're really good about is not buying right away so if you get it, that's fine. And for me specifically, I was just thinking about my little project that I worked on yesterday, if people on Instagram are following me, is I like finding things that I can build because that gives me the most you know, rewarding feeling. And like yesterday, I found some black pipe in the classifieds and I had some scrap wood in the garage. And you know, I spent some money, but it was on something that was used. So I repurposed it and I built a little stand for the vertical garden to, to house the nursery of, of seedlings. And it's like that is, it was totally unnecessary, but yet it was necessary. And, and that's kind of where I get my reward from, right? Is it's finding something that I can reuse, finding a good deal and, and adding value to our, to our life, I guess. Um, yeah, I was re I was just reading some um, psychology on that. How, like for me, I, I really wanted to get some new plants. So I, got a plant and then I needed another plant, you know, and then, and then another. So I noticed there was a, there was a bit of a trend of, okay, once, once you start, then the tendency to want to keep going happens. And so for me, I know that that's something I'm going to, in the future, going to need to be aware of being able to put the brakes on it before I have a forest in my, in my house, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and is this actually adding or is it just, this weird habit that I'm unaware of. I think again, awareness mm -hmm. is the mm -hmm. key and that's kind of the theme, right? right? Totally. Like, you know, stop yourself. And if you still want to buy it like a day later, or a week later, or whatever your number is, then go ahead. Right. You, you've, you haven't made a, yeah. a spontaneous or a purchase that you weren't prepared for that you're going to have buyer's remorse. You, you thought it out and then made a, a logical decision, right? Completely. Chrissy, should we wrap this uh, excellent episode up? Sure. 
Do you have any other questions for us? Okay. No. I just I kinda like being asked questions. We never get asked questions, Chrissy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's cool. Oh, it is fun. Yeah. We get to talk about ourselves for a little bit. No, it's been absolutely fantastic <laughs> yeah. having you on the show. It's uh great to have you in this community and, and share a little what your story is like, where you live and, and how you got there and how you're moving forward and, and it's inspiring. And I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Yeah, and uh, thanks for having me. And and again, you guys have, I, I just cannot express how much you guys specifically have really impacted my life and continue to. And I think I'm not the, I hope, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> I feel it. So yeah, I just thank you guys so much for doing what you're doing and keep doing it. Well, we wouldn't be here without listeners like you. So thank you. Straight right back at you. <laughs> I also want to add in a little acknowledgement and special thanks. Some of our listeners listen to my other podcast, The FI Garage, and they know that there's a tube of beer that's being shared around <laughs> Canada. And Kay, you and I shared some emails over the year and uh, yeah. beers came up in a conversation and you graciously sent me the first, the very first, the inaugural tube of beer from Manitoba, <laughs> which I was forever grateful to have some new flavors to try and new breweries. And so you were the the impetus of the FI Garage beer tube. So I just want to share that because you're on this show and I really, really appreciate that. I'm the beer tube originator. Beer tube originator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, there's your title right on we will catch all you listeners again on the next episode of Explorify Canada talk to you later Chrissy and Kay thanks for listening if you've been getting value from our content please support us in the following ways leave us a review and subscribe in your favorite podcast player tell your friends and family about us or use our referral links at explorifycanada.ca forward slash recommendations all of our show notes can be found at exploreficanada.ca. You can also find us on our other websites, figarage.ca or eatsleepbreathefy.com. Our show is edited and mixed by Max Desmarais at Fix Audio. That's fixaud.io. Episode transcripts were created in otter.ai.